I think whether it's social media, hobbies, sports, uh, so many of those things are vehicles. I hear people say all the time, sports teaches character. Sports doesn't teach character. Coaches and the people in those environments teach character. Uh, If you have the wrong coaches and the wrong people in the environment, they will teach something. It may not be the character that you want. Uh, and and so just like Chris said, who's in those environments that are teaching and modeling uh, mm. for your kids what they're going to take away? Welcome to the Real Life Overtime Podcast, the place where the members of the Real Life Ministries sermon team go deeper into the weekend sermon. Watch them as they unpack, unfold, and unravel the weekend sermon like never before. So fasten your seatbelts, hit play, and join us for Real Life Overtime, where every episode is an adventure and this sermon doesn't end on Sunday. Hello, Real Life Ministries. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. And uh, this is a podcast where we go into sort of the deeper details of the messages that were preached here at Real Life Ministries. As you know, we are one church in four locations, and um, we have different guys preaching, and we we typically form the messages in the series together. Uh, then we each have our own little nuances to to it, and then we come back together and we're debriefing that in this series uh, or in the, for this message, and then we will dive into some questions that we got. So that's kind of the format. I'm here today with uh, with. Uh, the guys that were preaching at the other campuses, and this weekend it's called uh, the Impressed series. We're talking about parenting and, and marriage, and we're all in different seasons of life. Um, and so uh, this week at the Coeur campus, uh, Blake preached, and and Blake's been married for several years. He's got some younger kids, mm-hmm. and uh, at uh, the Hayden campus, it was Chris Short, and he is uh, uh, quite a bit older. Has Whoa. quite a bit older kids, teenage kids, <laughs> a lot of teenage kids. Yeah. Uh, I've got Craig Miles here, who is a grandpa. Old man of the group. Old man of the group, even older than me. Wow. Uh, and uh, so he's raised his kids, uh, comes from a, a blended family situation, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's, it's different in that regard. And of course, I'm a, I'm a grandparent. Uh, six grandkids. Super old. I'm the. I'm not quite Did as old. Did you write Deuteronomy? I can't remember. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. No. Uh, and so we're excited to uh, have this conversation together. And I'll tell you, this week we're we're talking about the raising up children. The coming week here, we're talking about God's plan for the home. And then the following week, we're going to finish the series with talking about what happens when it didn't go the way you planned, or maybe. It's broken, and okay, that's great, God's plan, but we didn't live that out, and so here's where we are right now, and what do we do with that? And uh, so I'm excited about the next few messages. Uh, Blake, you were again at the Coeur campus. Mm-hmm. What, what did you, where did you go with this message? Yeah, I think that we all had similar messages, but different. Uh, one of the main things that we looked at in that chunk, you know, working out of Deuteronomy was... Um, the concept of traps that we have in our attempt to raise our kids at home. And so part of my message lent more towards this concept of idolatry. And I focused a little bit more on what I would call practical idolatry this week. 
like not necessarily the fastening of golden calves or, you know, the building of stone temples is not super practical for us. And so we lived in the area of like anything that would be considered idolatry, I think for us coming off of the Shema in, in, in verse four is anything that gets more of my heart, soul, mind, and strength than God does. And the exertion of that was something that we kind of challenged ourselves in our, in our congregation to look at my time and my energy, my effort, but also that is, that is with like within me, like, what do I think about? What am I talking about when I walk and when I sleep and all the places that, you know, is listed there. And we really kind of asked ourselves the question, yes, what are the things that I'm looking at that are filling my schedule with my kids? What are we doing together? Where are we going? Are we doing anything? But it was really kind of the conversation uh, that I want to touch on when we get to it here is what am I doing with my kids that are specifically unto the Lord, right? Because the Mm -hmm. commitment we talked about in week one is how do I raise the next generation, my biological kids, but also the generation of the church in the Lord, his good decrees and laws and statutes. And so uh, the season that we're in right now, as you mentioned, uh, I've got a fourth grader and a sixth grader. Uh, they're athletes like their mom and dad, like we were. And so we're, we're figuring that out and we're wrestling with that. And there's some, some boundaries we have and there's some hard work that we have to do with scheduling. Um, but part of our conversation was really asking the question, what does your time and energy and effort and intentionality look like with your kids? Hmm. Would it be considered something idolatry if it's before the Lord, more than the Lord? And we really kind of walked back and forth to set that up for the next couple of weeks to go, what am I doing and yeah. why are we doing that? Yeah, that's good. Uh, we had you again at the Hayden campus. Yeah. Um, tell tell us kind of where you went. Yeah, I mean, it was a blast to be at the Hayden campus. So cool just to see the movement excitement. Um, I kind of picked up that same application of the traps that we have in our culture. You know, the enemy uses the same traps and he has all through time. And I think one of the, I was just looking at the scripture, Deuteronomy 6, 20 and 21, In the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God commanded us to obey? And you will tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. And one of the things that I just wanted to zoom in on with my teenage kids is the story of our family, the story of God working. And, you know, the Israelites did a really good job of sharing their story, handing it down through decrees, through these laws, and we've lost that really in through celebrations. Celebrations, so many things yeah. that they 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 celebrated all the time, and I feel like our celebrations in America are hijacked. They're just they're so selfish. I mean, it's like they don't even make sense. A lot of them. It's like Black Friday and Super Bowl. It's like what are these things? We need to tell a better story, a story that really points to the Lord's working in our life. And again, it's practical things we'll talk about in a little bit. But that was a big, I guess, thing that convicted me was am I sharing? really what God has done in my life with my kids and with those I'm in a relationship with. That's good. Craig, tell me kind of where you went with this whole thing. Uh, I was out at our North Campus, which is uh, the more rural of our campuses. Uh, A lot of people out there own acreage. And one of the traps that we talked about was an ungodly culture and how do we engage it if there's any group of people in our community that's going to have like a bunker mentality, I'm <laughs> going to totally disengage from the ungodly culture. It would be that people group. Mm-hmm. And so we just talked about the nuances of how do we live in an ungodly culture but still be a part of it. And, and just talking about this idea that God 
never meant for us to exclude ourselves from the culture. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, uh, Moses is talking about, hey, when you live the way that God calls us to live, when you obey these commands, Mm -hmm. it will actually be a testimony to the people around you. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're going to look at you and go, how amazing is your God? Uh, because you live this certain way. And in John 17, Jesus is praying right before going to the cross, and, and he's praying for his disciples, and, he, and he's like, God, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, even though they're not of the world. Uh, I'm actually sending them back into the world. And just this nuance of uh, we don't want the ungodly culture to be a trap to us, but we're still in it, and we're still supposed to engage in it so that we can be a light. That's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, one of the things that, um, again, w- what I'm really trying to reiter- reiterate is God's plan was that we personally would have a relationship with Jesus, that he would be upon our hearts personally, that we would be a part of a community of believers, um, that we were never supposed to... to to parent apart from the community of believers, that the community of believers surrounds us, supports us, holds us accountable, teaches us what real parenting is supposed to be like, because we live in a culture where parents weren't necessarily disciple makers. We don't know what it's supposed to look like. If a, if a, if a, a group of parents don't know what their part is because they were never taught, then they, they bring into their home either what they got or what they absolutely don't want. They don't know what it's supposed to look like. It's in the church sphere that we do this together. And we learn what it looks like, and then we have the support to live out what it's supposed to look like in the church sphere. So I could just think about, as a parent, when I was struggling with my oldest son, it was talking to people who had been there, done that, who I was so in the forest I couldn't see the trees. They were wise counsel to me. They were support for me because some of the decisions I was having to make with my wife and with the kids was really hard. And they didn't just give me the right information. They they walked through that series of, of events with me. And so um, what does it look like for the church and then the home to work together? And then um, here's something I really touched on, and I want to talk about this a little bit. I talked about um, how... As parents, our job is to have very clearly the bullseye that our children will love God, um, walk with God, walk with others, that they were given a mission. From the, in the garden, we were given a mission. It was sidetracked by the enemy, and, and now God is restoring a people with a mission where the home and the church work together to raise up kids that are going into this land where there's all kinds of traps and, and all kinds of... Uh, enemies to face. And we together, as Craig said, we're a light to those people. What does it look like at the end of our time with our kids to have them ready for the world they'll, fa- they'll, uh, they'll be facing? They're relationally tied. They, they know the truth. They understand the enemy in the way they work. he works. They're going into the land to thrive, but also to help be a light to those people out there. Rather than being a victim and unprepared and deceived, they know who they are, they know where they're going, and they're, they know who they're going with, the community of believers, and their home, and their family, and man, they're taking ground. 
I, I talked about the fact that we live in a, a, a at a time where most kids who are churched leave the faith most never to return. And uh, why? Well, they don't have relational ropes. They weren't actually taught. Their homes weren't really connected to the church. The church was a place you went to. Uh, it wasn't something you were a part of. And one of the things that I, I said is that most parents are actually following their children. You know, their job is to make their kids happy protecting their children from any sort of problem, you know, helicopter parents who fly in. I had a buddy say to me, it's not just their helicopter parents, they're attack Apache helicopter parents. <laughs> Anybody that gets in the way of their kids, they destroy. Rather than raising their kids up to be ready to fight a battle and getting them ready with um, perseverance and resilience and, you know, understanding the weapons and being ready to fight, they're protected, coddled, aren't tough enough to do much of anything, going into a world where they don't even understand the enemies, what does it look like to go, we're going to prepare our children so that they are ready for their enemies? And I asked the people this last week to go, what are the enemies that you want to have your kids ready for? And start writing that down. And then I actually talked about what most parents are doing is they're there are a lot of Christian parents, and I got a lot of questions about this, so I want to unpack it. Uh, they're actually uh, allowing their kids and even supporting their kids becoming a part of a sports community. So it's sports are, or some sort of hobby is setting the pace for all of their life. And so their kids and their families are getting connected to the soccer community, the wrestling community, the football community, the sports community. And the job of a parent is to lead their children to be part of the spiritual community where there are Christian kids and Christian families and Christian adults who are supporting. But instead, they're actually supporting their kids to get involved in the, the these sports communities. And so I had parents say to me, are you saying that we shouldn't be involved in the sports community? I mean, we shouldn't let our kids play sports at all. And, of course, the answer to that for me is no. Uh, you should allow your kids to to become, a, you know, a, a, if they want to play sports, great, to an extent. It isn't about their dreams that you're trying to help them support. You're trying to lead them to the Lord's dreams for them. It, it, how do we use sports instead of allow sports to become um, an idol? How do we raise them so that when they get done in our home, they actually have spiritual relationships centered on Christ, the mission God gave them, rather than more connected to all these other things? What's the nuance that's involved in that? Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, on that on that tone is understanding and having a good pulse on the voices that are speaking into our kids and, and really recognizing, you know, because a, a culture, a community is a collection of, of I mean, there are subcultures to our culture, um, you know, really recognizing what are the, what are the stories, what are the, the voices that my kids are, are hearing? And if you don't have a good pulse on that, I think we can be in real danger. I, you know, one story example for me would be, I recognized in a season for one of my kids when they really started ha having some serious attitude. And it wasn't, it wasn't just the teenage years. It was like, this doesn't sound like us. And we started evaluating how much time she was spending on social media. And I remember just going, that's our fault. 
because we've opened up a door a little too wide. I'm not saying all social media is bad, but she, her voice, she was sounding like the influencers she was listening to. Yes. And I was like, that's, a, that's us. We got to reevaluate. What is the story? <laughs> and I'm sure she was really happy about you pulling back. No. Yeah. No, it's like, this is not what we're going to, this is not who we are as a family. But then she's unhappy. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Yeah. And the cool part, I think over time <laughs> is we have put enough community around our, our kids that even if there is complaint, it's like, yeah, that's the right thing to do. You know, the small group leaders, the, the community that we have for me, it kind of combats that a little bit because they're always going to, they're not, they're not going to love the choices that we're directing but they were listening to too many other voices. She was listening to too many other voices that we had to kind of change. Yeah, I think whether it's social media, hobbies, sports, uh, so many of those things are vehicles. I hear people say all the time, sports teaches character. Sports doesn't teach character. Coaches and the yeah. people in those environments teach character. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. If you have the wrong coaches and the wrong yep. people in the environment, they will teach something it may not be the character that you want uh and and so just like chris said who's in those environments that are teaching and modeling uh mm. for your kids what they're going to take away mm. that's really good what's the agenda of the coach is the agenda of the coach to become the coach of the year and win mm. right he's going to lead towards that agenda he's going to put the importance on that sport yeah. on the skills the or is the agenda of the coach to use sports as a tool to teach character, uh, honor, uh, right values, balance? Because the kid's not going to be a football player for their entire life. They're going to be a human. They're going to be a father, a parent. What is it that that guy's? That's that's such an important point. You know, you've got some younger kids right now. I mean, yeah. what what are some of the things you're thinking about? Yeah, I think that you know, kind of like we mentioned, even to start with, and I don't love using the word balance, but I think the appropriate measure of each is a reality. You know, Craig even mentioned like entering into the promised land is, is what Moses is reiterating before in the specific context that we're using in Deuteronomy. And God places them in the middle of the world for a reason. And it's not to, to stay away from it, but it's also not to conform to it. Right. And so my kids are athletes and, and we're walking that line right now. And it's not kind of a good or bad or either or. It's how do we do everything well no matter where we are. Because we want to be who we are, which is what we believe God has called us to be and made us to be, which starts in our home, in any environment that he puts us in. And so we've had a lot of conversations internally between my wife and I and like, hey, what's our game plan? And I know we'll talk more about that next week in the series. Um, but with our kids, it's we have different seasons of life right now. This is the age that you're in and you have sports as an option. But what's the purpose of it and how often and how frequent? And our challenge as a family is to go, are they seeing more sports talk, sports travel, sports games, sports weekends, than they are God talk, you know, small group conversations, going to church on the weekends, being in small group, you know, what are they observing from us as parents? And then what are we doing together as a family? And what I love about our church and that we're getting to live out as a family is we don't only go to church on a Sunday, right? We are the church, which is what Moses is saying in the text. Like wherever you go, when you're, when you wake, when you rise, when you walk along the way, like, are you sharing the story of who God is with your people? And so one of the things that we really embraced and have been discipled well in, in our community is even the story that God tells through Moses and the Israelites, the exodus from Egypt, the wandering in the desert in the preparation for the promised land is that God has been with them in it and has shown his character in it and has given good guidance in things that are to be shared and remembered. And we're trying to replicate that with our kids to say, listen, there's going to be seasons where we're going to have tension in our schedule. 
And there's also opportunity. But what do we do with them? And how do we have accountable conversations, all of us together, not just us like telling them, right? But then asking them, like, what sort of a balance is this? Are we including God in it? Mm-hmm. And one quick little story, which I think is amazing. I'm so proud of my wife. She's so awesome. I've learned so much from her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had asked her that question in the season because there was a two or three couple like weekend tournaments recently for my daughter Lane. And we're like, whoa. Like some of those might bleed into a Sunday. Like, what are we going to do? We've had all the conversations. And I asked Andrea straight up and I said, what are you doing with Lane when you go for these weekends? She's like, we have good conversations. And I said, well, how specific have you been with her talking about the Lord when you have time with her? She's like, oh, that's really good. She's like, I got a plan. And I was like, okay, we'll see. (laughs) Only to be proved wrong. And so she came back and she goes, okay, here's my plan from now on. And this was like six weeks ago. And she goes, every, every time we travel, we're going to have a conversation together with the time that God has allotted to us when we drive there. And if we ever end up in a Sunday, which they've had the last couple, she's, she has actually reached out to the coaches of, of my daughter's team and the parents that are also there and has invited them to do a Bible study on Sunday mornings prior to the games because she's not at the church. She is the church. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's brilliant. And so she's embraced principles that we've talked about, may not be able to be at the physical building today, but here's where we are and we can invite people into it. And it's been so awesome just to hear the stories that have come from it. And I think that that's what Moses is inviting us into. But we have to be weary of when does it become more than or take the place of God. And so we're wrestling through that. I think we've been encouraged to do a good job and we've got accountability and other people speaking into it. So that's just a real story from us. You know, people ask me, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, we got to have a goal in mind, right? A God-given goal. Our children need to know what a relationship with Jesus looks like. They're a part of a larger spiritual community, the church. Mm-hmm. And their home, in conjunction with the church, is to lead them to be able to work in the world sphere and even against the demonic forces, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're missionaries wherever they work, live, and play. They have to have a job, but that job's not their identity. How are they going to learn it's not their identity? In their abiding church sphere, home sphere. Um, and so one of the things that I, I people ask me, okay, so Jim, your, your kids did sports. Yeah, all three of my kids uh, were state placers in wrestling, and they played other sports. Okay, so you, you did use sports. Yeah, we did. But, but here's what that looked like. Um, it looked like... Um, my kids could not be in a sport if it meant hmm. they were going to miss youth group Wednesday nights. Because why? I wanted my kids to have other relationships with other believers, other adults, that, that God took the place, uh, 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 took first place. That the agenda for everything else was set around the goals of spiritual community, walk with Jesus. And so... Um, my kids in high school, they had wrestling practice to get down at 5.30. Youth group was at 7. Were they tired? Did they always want to go? No, 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 no. But you didn't go to youth group. You didn't go to wrestling practice. Now, every once in a while, there'd be a match on Wednesday night. So, okay, every once in a while is one thing. It's not mm-hmm. legalism, right. right? But if they were, if that sport is every Wednesday night, sorry, we're not because uh, – or if it would have been Monday night, it would have been Monday night. But my kids are going to start building relationships in youth group mm-hmm. with other adults um, on, on the weekends. If there, if there was state tournaments where we'd have to travel or do whatever, but um, 
if they weren't going to be in church, we weren't going to that tournament. Um, now, sometimes we went to church in other places where we went to that tournament, right? But God set the agenda, and um, we would travel back in the middle of the night to come back for church. Yeah. I would come back to preach or be in church. They would come back to church. Would they be tired? Would they want to go? Yeah, they didn't want to go. Um, youth group, or excuse me, a, a church camp. Uh, many times there were other kinds of camps, wrestling camp or football camp. I remember football camp was on the same weekend as, uh, as uh, the um, church camp. And so my kid went in and said, hey, that's church camp. And the coach said, hey, if you don't go to football camp, it doesn't matter how well you play. You won't be starting. So that led to, okay, how hard a rule is that going to be? Um, can you be good enough that he just has to put you on the field? Um, or are you uh, going to say, well, sorry then, because uh, I, I just won't play that sport? Because the coach isn't setting the agenda for our, our life. Uh, God is. And, and, and I want my kids to have these experiences, these consistent experiences, groups, sorts of things. And so they, my son decided he wasn't going to play football. Uh, and, uh, of course, the coach was upset about that. And I'm like, well, you can be upset about that, but my kid's going to be a Christ follower the rest of his life, and I'm leading my kids to something. The rest of it has to fit around. Now, here's the cool thing. Um, one time, I made my son uh, will go to a church or uh, to a missions trip to Mexico, and uh, he didn't want to go. I don't, I'm not here to ask you what you want to do. Um, there was other things in sports and things you want to do. No, you're going to go. The truth is, he met his wife on that trip. Hmm. You know, my son, other son, met his his wife in a in a youth ministry setting. Um, one of my sons married the daughter of one of the guys I was at, families I was in life group with. Uh, the relationships that he had was were, were based on relationships he had in youth group. Those are still his closest friends to this day. Uh, the adults that he spent time with, even when he didn't want to go, my goal is not to make them happy. My goal is to lead them to what God asked me to lead them to. And so God sets the agenda, and it takes time, it takes relationship. The small group that he was in with you, he didn't want to go to that, but he met his closest friends in there. And then when he would go spend the night at your house, you were supporting what we value, the conversations you had with Will. You know, um, you, you, we do this together, and we lead our family, because at the end of the day, they need to know what God's Word says and have the kinds of relationships in their life that help fulfill the mission of God. It seems like what you were doing in that was saying, this is what's so important and valuable to us. You know, just like the text talked about idols. It's like foreign gods. And I think that we're surrounded by foreign gods in our country. And a lot of parents will worship those gods. It's like we're worshiping the sports gods. Or you know? their own children. Yep. Yeah, that's family or whatever you want to call it. You know, it's like we have all these other things. And then we reinforce it by what we celebrate, what we worship, and I think it's it's creating a culture that says we we worship the God of gods, you know, the, the creator. And when we celebrate that as a higher priority than celebrating, and I think that's just a real tension in our own hearts as parents and grandparents, you know, is um, what are the things we really do celebrate? Because when we celebrate the sports team winning the Super Bowl as the biggest thing in our year, our kids pick that up. It's like, that's important. That's the idol of our family. You know, I think you, you modeled that in your example of your kids. 
I think nobody starts out going, hey, we're going to worship the god of sports or, yeah. or whatever their thing is. Yeah. But you see people whose families, the, the, the word worship means to bend at the waist. Yeah. You see families who bend their lives around something other than God. Mm-hmm. And for some people, sports, it's their time, their energy, their, their money, their schedule, their whatever. Um, and it becomes an idol unknowingly, and, and it's not bad. Sports aren't bad. And it's a great tool. It's a terrible God. Yep. It's good. Yeah. You know, so are we using... So what I asked people this week, I mean, if you look at your time, energy, and effort, what is it going towards? What are you celebrating? What's dictating the terms of your life? And it's one little decision at a time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, are you disciplined enough to keep your eye on the ball have the people around you who help you do that because you drift, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I still remember I, I got pretty upset with Jesse, you know, because he lost a match. And so I'm getting after him, and he looks at me and he goes, why are you more upset about me losing than I am? Wow. And hmm. I was like, you know, my old flesh was coming out, and I had other people going, hey, did he quit out there? Did he, Jim, you won't let him go to all these tournaments around the country and let sports, you know, become his God, which means he's not going to be as good as some of these other kids. But you don't care about that that much, I thought. Ooh, maybe I do. What do I do with that? And to have the kind of people around you that ask you those questions, because we drift into, you know, wrestling was an old, deep pattern in my life. It was my God for a long time. And unbeknownst to me, it can sneak back into the, the, uh, the throne. Mm-hmm. And so, again, um, I know plenty of kids who they've got to have education so they can get a good job. So, that they, so it's all about the education so that they can have that job that's going to make them happy, right? Uh, or that scholarship for a sport that's somehow going to make it happy. Have, have you noticed that a lot of these guys that sold their souls to the sport, they weren't happy? Wow. We live in a culture where we're, we have the most addicted, most depressed, most divorced, most isolated, but the highest level of sports or education. we got the diplomas on the wall, the houses that uh, are not actually homes. What does it look like to say, God... I'm going to lead my family. Uh, I'm going to partner with my wife, as you guys do with your wives, to go, mm-hmm. how do we lead our family at the end of the day? What is success? That they know Jesus, they're in eternity uh, with us, that they raise their kids to know the Lord, that they have a spiritual community working together mm-hmm. to uh, storm mm-hmm. the gates of hell until Jesus returns. What does it look like to keep our eye on the ball? You know, one of the things I would like to add to kind of the, the story we told about my daughter in sports and church and stuff is, you know, when we are gone or when she's gone, she wants to be at church. Like, she misses being there on the weekend. She has established relationships. She loves being in her kids' ministry and, and part of that team there. So she's even personally wrestling with that tension of like, oh, I enjoy sports, but man, I have a pre-established relationship built in the church. And I think for us, one of the things that has helped us make the decision of how much is too much and what is appropriate is our foundation started in the church first with those relationships. So she knows our value and connectedness inside of the church. 
And when we miss, if it is that, she longs for it and she wants to be back there. And so because that's already pre-established, at least in our home, she doesn't want to miss. And so when she does miss, she wants to be back. So she she learns and knows the tension already, which I think is healthy for her to wrestle through. Yeah, it's on her not own. like miss sports mm-hmm. and have nothing. It's right. like I these are my friends. I do life with these people. Right. And so it's it's a tension. Yes. She doesn't like missing church. She wants to be there for all the reasons that we would hope for, right? And then she enjoys, you know, her sports as well. But I think that's a good tension. But yeah, pre-established, being able to be in church, she misses that's, it when she's that's gone. That's so good, Blake. Yeah. That's the focus. That's what we're trying to say to our people. Yeah. What we've been doing for churches, I mean, we talked about it at our service, mm-hmm. 70 to 80% of kids who's, who, who are raised in the church, whatever that means, yep. leave the church most never return. And it's easy because they don't have a lot of relational ropes that were built that hold them fast. They weren't actually really taught uh, stuff. Uh, they, they weren't supported in the faith. They, they're more inclined towards their education, their career, their sport, or whatever. That dictates the terms of their life because that's what they were raised on. What does it look like? At the end of the day, do my kids have deep relationships with other believers, committed Christ followers, or serving Christ? Are they, do they know what it looks like to lead their homes because they're going to be parents mm-hmm. uh, more than likely? Do they really, are they prepared for eternity for the Lord's return? Did I do my part in all that? Do they have all kinds of spiritual connections and families that will support them in all of that? Did I help that uh, help those ropes be built by the way I parented? 